This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Oh, straight to my heart. Good morning and a happy Easter. Thank you for that. Happy Easter over here, too. Oh, uh-oh. Well, I'm just going to stand a little over this way. No. Good morning. My name is Angela, and welcome. Happy Easter. This is the only party you might go to all year where you sit in rows. If I had my way, we would just dance all morning. I love this holiday, and this year it hit me. So, if you don't know me, I'm a person of high emotions. Somebody asked me back there just a minute ago, hey, how you doing? I said, well, the, the tears are like right here. This feels so good to be together on Easter. This holiday means the world It is a holiday of hope like no other. And I am excited to be talking about Easter. And this Easter just hit me a little different. So for a few minutes, I just want to talk about one way that Easter just alters our world. There's a million different ways to do this. And thankfully, we get to talk about Easter every single year. So that's fun. This year, we're going to talk about one way that it seriously alters our world. If you are brand new here, welcome to New Life. We're super super happy to have you here. Kick off your shoes. Make yourself comfortable. I'll talk for just a little bit. And then we've got some really fun things to actually finish this party out tactily. Which, is that a word? Uh, Okay. Hey, somebody, thank you. I like the talking over here. All right. Um, so Easter is a fairly familiar story. I'm going to blitz through that pretty quickly just so that we're all on the same page about what we are talking about with Easter. Jesus was a teacher in the ancient Middle East. He was a Jewish man, and he lived and taught radically. He had incredibly beautiful ideas that gathered people. And they were the kind of ideas that would gather both fans who thought what he was saying was brilliant, but even people that were like, that is total hooey, were still drawn in. He just had that quality, not just a charisma about him, but the things that he was saying shook the foundations of what people of his day believed. Truthfully, They're still shaking foundations. So he gathered quite a crowd in his day. But also amongst these beautifully radical, practical teachings about how life could be lived differently, he regularly would make a claim to be the son of God, which was a little bit of a pill to swallow for people. (laughs) Kind of uncomfortable when your hero starts making wild claims (laughs) like that. But it helped that while he was traveling around teaching about this beautiful way to live and showing this beautiful way to live, he began to do miraculous things, healing sick, injured, um, paralyzed for life people, blind people. He was doing miraculous. Thank you. Um, While you're here, is there any possible chance I could have that? Thanks, Justin. A man of multiple talents. Whoop, whoop. Oh, where was I in my story? (laughs) Miraculous things. He was doing miraculous things, which made that a lot more believable that he could be something really special, perhaps something divine, until he got killed. 
And then it begs the question, what did I misunderstand? Because I have spent time considering the fact that you might be the son of God, but what kind of son of God can get killed? And that goes down without a fight, not a bit of fight. It began a great disillusionment for a whole group of people and for another group of people who thought what he had said was not good, they began to rejoice. Oh, good. That was highly uncomfortable, that guy. And that's done. Three days later, though, mourners who were going to his tomb found the tomb empty. And it began to raise huge questions. If you are brand new to exploring your faith, this is such a funny day for you to come because we're going to talk about a guy that raised himself from the dead. So if you have a little bit of a sense of incredulity, that seems fair. <laughs> that seems like the natural response. How in the world can somebody make this claim? But immediately after they found his grave empty, hundreds of people started to tell stories of interacting with him of eating with him, of seeing him. Hundreds and hundreds of people testified to that thing. If you find yourself wondering, how could that possibly be true? Then you are in good company. That is a wonderful question to wrestle down. And the people of Jesus' day who actually got to interact with him and listen to his teaching and see how it applied to life, they also, both his fans and his naysayers, were drawn into question. And I would say, gosh, if that is true, if there is a God that loves us enough to send an incarnation of himself to the earth to die on our behalf and then has the power to raise himself from the dead, that is a God worth knowing. Yes, amen. And that actually is a little bit of how this Easter became really special to me. It's just a different, it's just hit me different this year. There is a verse in the Bible that was said by a pastor to a church that just knocked me like an arrow between the eyes this year. I'd like to read it together. Here's to hoping it also causes you some discomfort. It comes out of Romans. Oh, I'd like to pop to Romans. Thank you. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. What? <laughs> I intellectually, I was raised in the church, so I'm not unfamiliar with this idea, but this year just hit me different. I'd like to read the same concept by the same pastor, but speaking to a different church. It comes out of Ephesians. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can see something of the future he, God, has called you to share. I want you to realize that God has been made rich because we, who are Christ's, have been given to him. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. You can hear he's talking to a group of discouraged people. You can hear it. They're having trouble picturing a beautiful future. And he is pastoring them to a place of hope based on the idea that if Jesus can raise himself from the dead, if he has the power to do that, he has the power to do whatever. He's the only one that actually has that power. And for me, this begs a question this year. Because I read that with my own sense of incredulity. For me, it Easter begs the question, is my God too small? And I always capitalize the word God because it's a proper pronoun. But this Easter, I'm tempted to capitalize my question, uh, to not capitalize my question. Is my little G God 
too small because I, probably like you, have some obstacles in my world. And I wonder with regularity if God is bigger than my obstacles. I mean, I'll, we'll just, you know, mock myself because I have the microphone. But yesterday I'm in Yosemite having the time of my life. But I'm tired, and I got a long drive home, and I have some nerves about today. And I'm standing by this creekside at the base of Yosemite Falls having this moment with God. And I think, hey, could you carry this moment to tomorrow? And it was a legitimate question. And then I thought what I was going to talk about today was like, oh, seriously, that's the size of my faith. Could you carry this beautiful moment from Yosemite Falls back with me to church? <laughs> that is my God too small. When I look at my obstacles, is he bigger than my obstacles? But I've had the same exact problem when I look at my past. I see things in my past and I'm like, could I somehow just disassociate with that? Could I get that stink off my skin? I'm really bummed I did that or I didn't do that. Is God bigger than my past? Is my God bigger than that pa my past? Because the God that raised Jesus from the dead is bigger than my past. That also begs the question, is my God bigger than my addictions? I am no joke addicted to self-reliance. No joke. I don't know what your addiction is. I have no idea what you find yourself doing over and over and over again that you wish you did not do. That is an addiction. Is my God bigger than my addiction? Does he have the power to bust me out of this like a dog to vomit back to self-reliance? Oh, that's a Bible verse, you guys. Legitimately, that's a Bible verse. But it's like, oh, I resonate with that Bible verse because these things I want out of my life, I am just straight back to them. Is my God bigger than that? Is my God bigger than the Christians in my world? I'm going to meddle, people. <laughs> if you don't have a church background, it is likely that the number one thing that holds you back from coming in a door like this today is likely Christians. I don't want an amen, but can I have an amen if that has been a problem? Oh, God is bigger than the Christians that you know. God is bigger than the reputation of the church. God is bigger than the Christian who is currently making your life maybe a little bit of a living hell. So I'm up here mocking myself in my own picture of my little G God. But don't you sometimes look at the things in your life and think, can you really do something about that? And sometimes it sounds, can you do a little something about her? <laughs> like, is your God bigger? And I have huge dreams, you guys, huge dreams. So this next one really challenges me, and I'm actually inspired by it. Is my God bigger than the global crisis I wish to see done, solved, eradicated? Is my God bigger than that? Is God bigger than my dreams? That is a serious question. And to me, it pointed back to the final question, which is humbling. I'm going to share it with you in vulnerability and humility. But honestly, sometimes I wonder if my God is bigger than me. I worry a little bit 
that God in my head and in my heart looks a lot like Angela. That's, well, that's funny. Until you know my limitations. <laughs> you know, like it's really easy to think God has my personality and maybe I like that and that God loves people the way that I love people. He better do better than that. Like I have real limitations. And I wonder, is my picture of God shaped more by the story of Easter than it is shaped by my own image of me? Dude, Easter is kicking my tail. That Bible verse of the same God, the same spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, tackles your problems, empowers your courage, eradicates your past, or even better yet, redeems it into something that is super beautiful and super useful. God is the God that raised Jesus from the dead. And I got to get my picture. We got to get our picture. Here is my Easter challenge. Get your God, God-sized. God-sized. Easter is a holiday of hope because God is utterly not human. We are made in his image like a beautiful echo. But we're the echo. We're the shadow. We are a poor substitute, a beautiful reflection, but a poor substitute for the kind of God that can raise Jesus from the dead. Easter equals hope. So we're going to go into two ancient practices that were set up in the time of Jesus that still happen in modern-day life. And I love them because these ancient practices, to me, they pull us back to a simpler time. We sit here with any number of questions hanging in the air, complex, busy, fast-paced lives. And these two practices pull us into a simpler time that just makes space in our hearts for the tough questions and makes space in our hearts for a place to hear God speak. So if you're here today and you'd like to participate in them, there's one right off the bat that is connect with God in this moment. We're going to participate in communion, which is just a ritual that was designed by Jesus in one of his last meals with his best buddies. He said, whenever you get together, do this. Remember me. Like, I'm going to miss out physically in the parties that you're going to have in the future. Would you just make sure that you're, like, thinking of me while you're there? That's what we're doing. That's all we're doing. So we choose to do it because it was established at a meal. We choose to do it with a little tiny bit of juice and a little tiny cracker. And today, I'd like to do it a little different. Guest services is going to come forward, and they're going to pass the trace through. So you, if you'd like to, can get a little cracker and a little juice. I would like to give you a sneak peek into how I function sometimes, sometimes at communion, I need something. So I'm remembering Jesus, but I need a little something. And today, the theme of Easter being hope, to me, this little practice might be helpful to you. I eat the cracker first, and while I am crunching it in my teeth, I think, could you break this thing? Like, I crunch with intentionality. Break this thing in my life. Either break my view of you, break this addiction, Could you break something down in my world? And then when I drink the cup, I envision the the juice just pouring through me and ask God to fill me up with something that is his, not mine. I'm all kinds of full of me. 
all kinds. So I want to break it down while I crunch that cracker, and then I fill it back up with him while I drink the juice. You're welcome to do that if you'd like. If nothing else, it's like a moment of silence that we do at times. We're going to do that right now. It's a chance to connect with that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in us. So guest services, can you please come forward and pass those out? And we'll just have a minute of quiet. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.